When you start a new project, typically you need things like a domain name, hosting, things like that. When I choose hosting, I pick mine for the options it gives. I like to know what I'm getting and set things up just how I like them. This is why for your projects, you should check out Linode. Linode servers feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabyte network, and Intel E5 processors. That's all the power you need to run VMs under full control or Docker containers, who doesn't love that, encrypted disks and VPNs. Plus, they have 10 data centers across the world and add-ons like backups, node balancer, and Longview to help you control your server costs. They also offer block storage for your static files, and you can get started with a $20 credit if you use the code JavaScriptJabber2018. That credit is good for four months on their one gigabyte server. That's a lot of time to try them out and see if they're the right fit for you. That code again is JavaScriptJabber2018. Also, if you're interested in working for Linode, they're hiring. Head to linode.com slash careers to see their available positions. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Ward Bell. Hello, hello, hello. John Papa. Hello. Our resident expert, Shai, is going to talk to us. Uh, he's kind of filling in as our guest as well. Uh, Shai Resnick. Hello, everybody, who I don't really know yet. <laughs> I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And yeah, this week we're talking about TDD, and this is something that Shai recommended. So uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and introduce our topic further, Shai. Okay, cool. So I think a few episodes ago, um, we mentioned TDD, and you asked me about it, and I said that I could talk about it forever. And then I said, hey, let's do a, an episode about it forever. So this is the longest episode of Adventures in Angular. That we, <laughs> put it on repeat and it'll never stop which is pretty much what tdd amounts to in my view Ooh, we've, already started. <laughs> we've already started okay so yeah so uh we have ward representing the uh, i know you like this metaphor the dark side and uh me and joe represent i think the the jedis or something like that i don't know i don't know what you did um but uh yeah so the topic is TDD. Uh, to those of you who don't know what it is, it's test-driven development. And um, it's a certain technique to write uh, unit tests. And um, and basically, unit tests is that thing that uh, uh, most of us want to do, but never get around to uh, to do it. Uh, so we can start by maybe talking about um, give give a short background to what unit testing is, uh, really like in in a minute. So we could discuss like TDD in more specific uh, ways. And I, I'd love to to hear your the panel what you guys are thinking about um, like TDD or experiences and stuff like that. So let me give just a short. Um, Introduction. So, <clears throat> um, unit testing basically is code that you write to test your production code. Um, and that sounds funny. Why would you want to write code twice? Uh, but basically, it has lots of, um, of benefits. Um, mainly, uh, it, you get faster feedback uh, than manually uh, testing in the browser. 
And it serves as a bunch of different things. Like it saves you uh, from regression bugs, like stuff you've dealt with in the past. And now like, you know, uh, when a bug you had in the past uh, keep coming to hunt you later on. So writing a test that verifies that that bug doesn't return um, is one benefit uh, of it. And oh, it all also can serve as the documentation for your code. So you can, uh, if it's written correctly, you can read the test files and then you can understand or try to understand what this uh, piece of code uh, is supposed to do. And um, basically, um, that's in general what is the unit testing. Uh, There's a whole theory about it and you know, how to structure your tests and all that stuff. But that, this is, uh, basically, I have, a, I have a free course about it. You can, uh, it, it's called Unit Testing and TDD Theory. And you can learn all about the theory uh, of it and the rules and all that stuff there. Um, so that's unit testing. And TDD, test-driven de- development, um, <laughs> is a technique... <clears throat> Uh, I think introduced, got reintroduced by Kent Beck, I think somewhere in the 90s. Um, And it talks about writing the tests first before you write the production code, uh, making them fail, and then write enough production code to make them pass. So um, it actually makes you think about the outcome or what... Uh, is the code supposed to do, and then you write a test for it. Um, so it's it's called also red green refactor because the test runner who runs the test usually when all the tests are passing, its um, its color is, is green, and when something fails, um, it becomes red. So you start with a red um, test runner, and then you write just enough code to make it green, and then once it's green, you can now refactor it as much as you like to make it cleaner um, as long as that uh, test runner is green. Um, And that's, again, in a very, very short introduction, is uh, TDD. Um, Thanks. Um, So that's, that's TDD. So let's talk about why you would like to maybe... Uh, do it or practice this technique and then i would like I, I would love to hear your experience about it and your challenges maybe and we can discuss we, we could discuss that and then to the uh, towards the end i have a few tips about uh, maybe how to how to get started with it and in the easiest way or you know um or in an easier way uh than uh, just like trying to figure out what, what the hell is going on. Um, so the benefits of TDD that I uh, experienced is that you actually get to write the test. So a lot of times uh, companies say they want to write tests and then you have a release date and then everything is like postponed to the last minute and then you don't have time to write the tests and that goes on and on and on. So you keep writing the code, the production code, but never get... Uh, to write the test. So, Shai, that only happens on projects that you work on. 
Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's it's like I said, it's from my experience only. Um, so, you, TDD actually make you uh, write the test first, so then you don't have the dilemma uh, whether like you to write it, whether you have time to write it, or how much is enough, you know, stuff stuff like that. Uh, the second thing is what I found most uh, beneficial about it is that the fact that it's it. Um, kind of forces you to write um, more modular code so and, and sometimes even cleaner code. So uh, what, do, what do I mean by that? Um, from my experience, when, whenever I had um, whenever I got stuck writing a test, it usually meant that my code that I was trying to write uh, was maybe too difficult or maybe too long or too complicated. Um, and I needed separation there, like to extract stuff to different uh, parts, like uh, single with single responsibilities. And that actually made me realize that TDD or this technique is not only about writing the tests and keeping you from the regressions and what, what I said before, it's actually driving your design. So whenever you feel a pain point, it signals you, hey, watch it. You're trying to do, maybe you're trying to design your code um, and uh, badly, and there's a better way to do it. Uh, just listen to the difficulty of writing the test for it. Um, and that actually doesn't happen when you're or doesn't happen often when you write just the production code because when you write code, uh, the production code, you are kind of free falling or you know sometimes like start with certain requ uh, requirements, they change, you change the code, and all of a sudden you get around to like I don't know a few hundred lines of code and with lots of you know uh, you know tangled functions and um, then it's hard to get out of this situation without the fear of breaking something in the middle of refactoring. Um, and also not writing, writing the production code first, um, usually also tend to lead to um, lots of um, stuff you ain't going to need. So there's the rule YAGNI, right? You ain't going to need it. Um, and TDD, because you write, you you actually think about what you're going to write and you write the test so it has a cost. So it's not like, ah, let me add this method so maybe someone will need it. No, um, actually you, what I do is to drive the design from the templates. So I only write production code that the template needs and I'm not like adding stuff. And I only write services um, uh, and methods on services that the components uh, need. So I don't end up with like this large services that can tackle every futuristic scenario uh, and such. And, um, and the second thing, like, or the, the one of the, um, I don't know, fourth thing um, is the, I mentioned red green refactor. So once the test is green or the test runner is green, it actually encourages the refactoring because you can refactor now your code to a cleaner code with the confidence that you didn't break anything. Basically, 
when every everybody everyone who worked on like a mid to large scale project knows about the fear of um, trying to write code or refactor code or refactor le legacy code or somebody else's code um, and and maybe like uh, break something in the middle or something like that um, or you see something you want to um, uh, I don't know uh, change or to the better and you basically don't want to touch it right so um, that's whenever like the you see the green and because you know that you cannot add any more code which is not covered by a test um, that's that's a, a very good feeling okay to have when you work on large scale systems um, and I don't know why I am like a few years ago when I learned about unit testing and TDD, uh, but separately, um, I got this happy feeling in my belly <laughs> because I had so much pain working on large systems um, and with, with lots of bugs and, you know, production bugs and stuff like that. Uh, and just having a tool that helps me uh, get the confidence I need to sort stuff to the right place, like each, each part to the right place. I don't know, maybe it's my OCD, but it's, it's certain, uh, certainly changed my coding life. And I use it like unit testing in general, but TDD in specific, specifically as a design tool for my code, uh, like I mentioned before. And that's the benefits I see uh, of TDD. And now I, I will, I'm happy to hear your thoughts about it and your counter arguments word. Uh, and I'm really, really super happy. I'm not single, uh, cynical. Cynical. Yes. Um, so, so my question before I begin, and I know Joe is also a TDD fan, so you should feel free to pipe oh, up. I, but I, oh, I, 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 I want to hear whether you <laughs> practice this. Or are you just like telling us that this is what you do? But do you actually honestly write systems TDD? Are you asking me or Joe? I'm asking you both. Okay. Yes. So, yes. I actually, for the past few years, uh, I think since... Actually, um, before Angular, I was uh, an Ember guy. Uh, this is a trivia part that you didn't know about me. Um, and actually, I think I opened the first Ember TDD open source project or something like that because I, I was trying to write in this style uh, and it was super hard for me because um, I, I also lacked the, the experience back then and also maybe it, it lacked uh, certain things that makes testing easier, uh, mainly like uh, defense injection and you know, stuff like that. Um, but I, I, ever since then, I, I kept learning more uh, by writing more tests. And I still feel <laughs> like I'm a beginner. Uh, I still feel I have so much to learn and so many like te more techniques to learn. Uh, but I gather so, gathered so far uh, a few techniques that help me uh, being productive in writing in this style. Because at, at the start, it feels really weird like when you're used to write the production code uh when you reverse the process it actually feels weird because you're not used to it it's a new habit 
to form or to get used to. Um, you keep you keep talking about production code, so I'm sensing that you make a distinction between production code and other kinds of code in which you wouldn't use TDD. Can you is, is there such a distinction, or do you just no, mean? No. I just mean anything that is part of the app and not the tests. This is for me. So when you start, when you're about to sort of say, you know, I wonder how this works, or you want to do what's called a spike, do you TDD your spikes? So um, there's one exception that I, uh, but. Yeah, I remember that you asked me and Joe, and Joe didn't answer. Um, <laughs> so, do you want to answer, Joe? Or we want you to continue uh, babbling about that. I often do not test my spikes, but sometimes I do. But often I don't. Because you know, the, the, when you follow the Ken Beck story and you sort of look at where you know how they invented all that stuff, which I thought they invented it. Um, you know, they. There's a lot of these TDD journals is sort of like, well, I don't know anything about this problem. It's a bowling because they did a bowling thing. If right. I, recall. Uh, I don't know anything about this. So let's imagine how bowling works and start with a test. And it, it seemed rather artificial to me. So so what I was about to say is that uh, there was one distinction that I, I make in my experience. And again, I'm still, still uh, learning so much. Um, is that for new stuff like new technologies that i'm learning i don't know new apis there's some there's some people that you know say that yeah start with the test write the test and through that write um, or learn about the api which i get i but i found that it actually slow slows me down when I do that, and I rather for new stuff or when I learn new stuff, I, I try to keep the um, cognitive, cognitive load uh, as small as possible. So if I don't write like tests when I just playing with something because I, I want to learn the new API. And once I feel comfortable with that, um, I, I transition to a TDD mode. So I, for those kind of situation, I will... Uh, write the test after I will write the code, but sooner, soon, or um, as soon as possible, I will reverse it. And um, once I feel more comfortable, if that's what you mean by spikes, yeah, that's pretty much how I handle it as well. Yeah, one thing that I do a little different though, I I've done TDD off and on um, over the years. I, I kind of came up in the Rails world, and TDD definitely had its its day in the sun there. Um, is that if I have some assumption about how the library works, a lot of times I'll write tests around that. And so it's, okay, I think I'm going to use it this way, and I think this is how it works. And so here's a test on how it does it. And even though that's technically shocked, a spike... I thought I thought DH, uh, DHH hated tests. He So tests are built into Rails, but he's definitely not a fan of TDD. Um, yeah, there, there's a good um, YouTube series that he... He and I think Ken Beck and Martin Fowler. Um, oh yeah, they had a about, big discussion about the about topic. It. Yeah, like a four or five parts or something like that of half an hour each, where they discuss them like you know the points, the different like they debate about whether to D TDD or not to TDD. Um, and he didn't even like testing, as I recall. Uh, as, as usual, he you know I I not a big DH page fan, so I'm... he. I don't think he's a fan of like 100% test coverage testing. But I don't remember him being completely anti-testing. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought he was a big integration tester. Yeah, yeah, he, yep. he favors integration tests and spot tests and stuff like that. And I get actually, I get that, uh, but it looks more like an excuse for the fact that he hadn't written any tests that he kind of tried to back into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's not go there, Ward. Uh, but... Why not? This is our podcast. We can claim. <laughs> yeah, but the thing that I see tests so, that are useful are, are useful for is not just verifying that the code works, but encapsulating my assumptions. And so, if I can make the the assumptions ahead of time and then have them prove out one way or the other with my code. That that's where TDD really helps, and then I can figure out. Okay, these are the, the TDD assumptions. or tests, Chuck. TDD or tests. Both. Um, so the tests, the tests are good for putting those assumptions in, right? So then when I come back to the code, um, I can say I assume that it's going to work this way, and it still works that way. But TDD for me is I'm I'm making an assumption that it will work this way. And so then I, you know, as I write the code, then I either challenge my assumptions or I fulfill them. And, and it, it allows me to think through what I want to build before I build it. And I have some blueprint that I can kind of have traced out that I can put over the top of what I already have and have my test runner run it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're, you're gonna. You're, I'm a total. I'm, I'm a total fan of tests. And the longer you wait to write the tests, the more you know. The worse it is. And I have waited way too long. Um, but uh, so so, so I, I, you know, I, I think that among ourselves, we can agree that there are all these wonderful benefits from tests, and they and, and they flow right through the arc, the architecture and the design of our software and stuff like that. I think we're all in agreement. We're on the same page on that. Yeah. It's just the TDD thing that I'm struggling with. So Let, let's Joe, talk Joe. about let's talk about that. Well, Joe was going to say something. I, I wasn't. No, no, no. 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 Right. I, I You're mentioning. I think Ward, though, that you are bringing up a really important distinction between testing and TDD. In that tests provide you a lot of how do I put it maneuverability, I guess, with your code because you you can move fast, and if you break something and you have good tests over the important parts of your code you can continue to assume that they work as long as your tests pass. And so you, your tests or your code becomes less brittle or at least, um, you know, you, you have all of these assumptions you don't have to keep in your head and double check that everything works because you have your tests. So the TDD portion of it is more um, what benefits do you get as far as design, um, maybe code uh, design, code architecture, um, you know, the way you think about your, your code how quickly you can move and things like that. And and I don't know that we're going to come to a conclusion that it's always better one way or the other. But but I, I'm curious, I'm curious about like Ward, you start but you start by saying let's there is a distinction which is correct. There is there is a distinction and it's an important one. But I, I want to hear from your perspective. Have you tried it and what uh are your um maybe concerns or like you know the limitation that you see for the for that sure technique. sure um what i find you know, the tdd promise is that it will actually help you um come up with a better design as you were before you even have done, written a word it actually the process of doing tdd um helps you find good answers not always, you know, not, not, you know, not like from the start or anything like that, because it's very much an exploratory approach, but that um, it's an important part of finding your way to a solution. And I, so I've tried that a few times. 
Uh, I've even tried to do it where I thought it would give me the most value, which is when I was exploring something sort of high, you know, with lots of little logic in it that I wasn't sure about. And so I said, wow, if I don't even have an idea what the solution is, this is perfect. TDD, maybe that'll guide me there. Um, and I had some fun with it. But here's my problem was I couldn't see. My imagination stopped. And I, because I kept getting distracted by trying to make tests work. And, you know, and I just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't move freely. I couldn't sketch. And when I'm coding out some new, you know, it's just, I'm talking about a small part of, a, of the application, right? I mean, I need those tests sitting there in the background to give me comfort and all that stuff. This is not an argument against tests. This is an argument about how I move the code forward. And it interfered with, for me, with my creative process. Uh, you, you know, if I want to dignify it by calling it creative. So, I, I, you know, I have as recent example as a couple of days ago. Uh, John pushed back on, on a current API we had. Uh, and, you know, he said, I, I can't, uh, you know, it, you're making me work too hard, Ward, when you tell me I have to do these things. I said, okay, so maybe we could do this. And I'd sketch that out and I'd say, and he'd say, ah, it's not so great. Well, you know, give me something else. I don't even understand what you're doing. So I'd try something else. And I was trying, I was sketching it in code, right? I wasn't sketching it in test, sketching out the API in code. And I said, I think this is going to work. What do you think if it felt like this? We're just throwing code back and forth. No, you know, uh, and some of it's an email, right? So you're clearly not using TDD when the email is your compiler. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not sitting there thinking, well, I wonder how I'm going to test this thing. I'm trying to sit there and say, how can I make John happy, right? Because John is my uh, go-to guy when it comes to whether the API is going to make any sense to somebody who's just try who's trying to get work done. Right now, John is perfectly. He's here. He's perfectly capable of uh, of taking the sort of the techie side of things, taking my side. But his role in that conversation is to defend the developer upon whom I'm about to inflict an API. And so we have to keep tossing these APIs back and forth until he says, "You know, I think I think that's as a as a developer, as a consumer of the library, that that would feel good." To me. Right then, I write that little piece, and it, it was just a little piece. And I wrote it and said, does it actually do what I said it would do? Does it actually feel the way uh, I was hoping it would feel? And then I write the test for it. Now, so my rule through this process is now that I don't commit anything that doesn't have tests at this stage of the development of the library. In the very beginning of the library, I didn't have any tests at all. I mean, I'm just hunting around for something that works, something that co is cohesive. I waited too long, honestly. Uh, and I, so I get the TDD pushback, TDD pushback that says, in practice, developers will not get to the tests, and then they will regret it, and then they won't have the test coverage that they should. I get that. So as a matter of discipline, I can see how the TDD discipline sort of forces me to do the right thing sooner. But to be honest, particularly at this stage of the library, uh, I'm ready to follow the rule that if I commit the change, it comes with tests, but I don't have to actually design it with tests. And from what I can tell by looking at the way Angular itself is developed, they seem to follow the same rule. Whether you think they do a good job or not? Um, they are clearly not developing the TDD. Um, their test coverage is actually too poor for that. Your theory there is that those people are the uh, paragon of uh, what we No, 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 no. I'm saying people <laughs> I would no, no, no. I'm not holding them up as that. I'm saying that they, but I, I do think that they're successful developers. 
right? That it is really possible to have good success um, writing production code that everybody in the world is going to have to look at. And, and I don't think you can do that without tests, but I do think you can, uh, but I don't see the TDD is the discipline that does it. And I can say that personally, maybe it's just I haven't tried it hard enough. Um, it feels like it gets between me and the discovery process. And, uh, and uh, that's, my, that's my argument. That's my, my counter argument. Um, and maybe what your guys are saying is that in your experience, it helps you discover the right API. That just hasn't been my experience. Okay, so first of all, um, it's fair enough. If you have a rule, I think that uh, there's no production code uh, that goes uh, into production without uh, a test covering it. That's a good rule to have. And that will, if you practice this, um, it will save you what you said about like, you know, not getting or getting to it, um, you know, in, in after a while and not uh, as soon as possible when it's the cost is, uh, is, is, is more painful then. Um, so that, that is fair. Like that's, I think it's a good, is a good uh, counter practice to it, but it's still like, you know, uh, makes you verify that you have like double, uh, double verification about what you try to do. Uh, which is basically what tests the, uh, do. Um, about the thing that drive uh, the design, uh, that you say that you're more comfortable sketching um, through the code and not through the test. I can totally understand it. It's like I try to buy a tablet and like be all green and sketch with like an electronic pen my ideas and it just doesn't work. My ideas that don't come out. I need my, you know, notepad and pen, regular pen to just like sketch ideas because I'm used to it. And there's like, you know, it's easier for me. So I don't think there, there's any one thing that we can say that this is the golden rule. This is what everybody, like 100% of the people should do. And, you know, I think like a lot of things, it's evolving. So one thing that um, maybe will is part of the problem that you're seeing, uh, Ward, is the lack of a clear or a clear structure to the way of doing it in TDD style. Uh, what do I mean by that? When I started, um, I read a bunch of books, I read a bunch of blog posts, I saw a bunch of lectures, I coded with friends who are testing their code. Um, and th that's how I learned. Um, but one thing I was missing is the lack of a clear process or step-by-step -step process to, to this way of designing code or writing code. Uh, it was too loose for me to just say, oh, I need to write a test. You know, what, what do I do now? Or I don't have any production code. So what? the hell am I testing? You know, stuff like that. And I developed for myself this like, you know, tense questions that I ask myself whenever I start writing a new, um, you know, object or function or whatever uh, that I ask myself. And that guides me 
uh, towards uh, the completed tested code. Uh, and, I f and I feel comfortable with it because I know that whenever I get stuck with this like blank mind of what the hell do I do now, I have this like, you know, manual that I had to write myself because I didn't find anything like that. And I kept getting stuck. So I needed some, you know, I needed my past self to save my future self, you know, with this like, oh, okay, this is the next step. Okay, great. Sure. So, so I, I get that. In some sense, you can write a whole series of tests that are the questions you know that your solution has to answer. It has to solve them, right? Uh, and that can help drive your design. Well, you know, you know I mean, when, when you don't really know how to bring something off, I would think during, a, at least when I was playing with a DVD, I, I would actually, and I do this now, actually, mm -hmm. I'll write a whole series of tests that are just the description, no body. It should do this. It should do that. It should under mm -hmm. these circumstances. No, I'm, I'm not, but I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like uh, tests, like questions as tests. I'm talking about like manually write like words, you know, like on PDF that I keep beside me and like helps me like, okay, what's the next step? What's the input or what's the output? What's the action in my uh, testing? Where is like the code? Do I have any conditions or async code or stuff like that that helps me cover all the code path that I'm trying to cover and helps me um, figuring out, okay, what, do I, what am I testing now? I'm testing a method. So what's the next logical step for testing a method? This helped me a lot of um, training myself to think this way. And, and, and mainly, um, you know, making sure that I have coverage on every line of code. I'm not saying that, you know, this is like the ultimate way, but I'm saying that this is what helped me do, do it, like uh, practice it because I was keep getting stuck. And when I started teaching about it, I noticed that also like people who are new to it uh, keep getting stuck at, uh, you know, what's the next thing? Because you were so used to just write the code, write the function, you know, write the method and be over with it. But uh, I found that this helps um, forming the new habit. Uh, one, maybe, maybe it was missing. I don't know. One thing that's interesting uh, about this too, you know, Shai, you keep talking about how it influences the structure of your code and, you know, makes you write things in the right way, um, or at least a, an approachable and maintainable way. Um, I have a good friend named Corey Haynes, and uh, people from the Ruby community will know him. Um, but he he's a huge TDD um, proponent. And he he's, uh, on several occasions, he's like, just as an experiment, just to see how the code comes out, um, I'll write my code and I'll go work on a project and build a small project with no tests. And what he finds every time he does it is that uh, at this point, he's been doing TDD so long that he he has built up an instinct for building small pieces that are easily consumable, easily, you know, they would be easily testable if he were writing tests for them um, and e easily, you know, maintained and well organized and easy to find and all of the things that come out of having um, maintainable, testable code. And so um, what this does for him, and I think the experience that I've had is that it puts up the rails up front so that I stay in bounds. And if I'm struggling with something with the testing, then it's telling me that there's a problem with the way that I'm thinking about my code. Are you ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp. 
a three-day intense workshop class for individuals or teams. They cover Angular 4 and 2 and focus on the skills and knowledge you need for complex, data-rich applications. They also still offer AngularJS for teams supporting older projects. Bring them to your site or send developers to them in St. Louis, San Francisco, New York, D.C., and other cities, and online at angularbootcamp.com. And then it, it builds in those habits of, of breaking up the code in a way that makes a lot of sense. And I'm not saying that TDD... I, I certainly agree. I, I totally agree. I get that same feedback from my tests. Yep. Uh, you know, they, uh, when I do write those tests, which is... Uh, it, uh, we're all, uh, all on the same page here. I want to do it sooner rather than later. Um, it it always, always seems to flow back into the, the design of that APR or whatever the heck I was doing. Makes me rethink it. Um, so, and the, having written so many tests, it's, I have the same experience you're describing, Chuck, where yeah. by, even without those guardrails, my mind now is conditioned to say, am I writing testable code? You know, you, I won't put a new in the new, I won't new something up inside my, my anything mm -hmm. unless, I, you know, newing up a date time. All right. Uh, and even then I don't do it. So it's, it, I get it. I get that, that. I don't, I just don't know what TDD has to do with it. I, well, I think TDD to me a lot is is a fear that a lot of folks, including myself, have that when we write something, it's not you know it's going to have a problem somewhere down the line. So we want to make sure that we've make sure that we've got the thing in the right design and the right format, and you know feel more confident about it. But when I've done TDD, my problem has been, and maybe this is just it's just not for me. I'll be very honest. I do not do test driven development when I'm coding. My mind is in a hundred places and my mind is coding as fast as I can. I'm getting ideas down. You guys talk about spikes earlier. I feel like everything I do is a spike, quite frankly. So I'm constantly writing. And even when I've written massively large apps, I'm constantly writing code, putting things down, getting it out there. Uh, and the way I control myself so I don't have to worry about that code failing later is uh, I work myself in sprints uh, and I make sure I leave time for I generally, let's say the sprint uh, is two weeks long. I'll make sure that three days before the sprint ends, that's the day I stop writing code. And whatever I've got, I'm going to test the heck out of that the next three days. And I put in either end-to-end -end testing or integration testing or unit testing, whatever's more appropriate for the situation. Uh, but the TDD side of it, I've tried it on some of these. And just because of the way my mind works, because I'm all over the place, when I've done it, it takes me out of what I was actually trying to accomplish. It just doesn't work for me. And maybe I'm just a odd bird i don't know no that's what i was saying too i just felt it got in the, I, I lost track of the vision of what i was trying to accomplish and I, I just couldn't move one one other thing that i want to add here is that um i was introduced to tdd pretty early on in my career and what it gave me then was it actually gave me a structure under which i could do development and check my work while i did it and so you know i I can also see some people, you know, if, if your creation method has, you know, is deeply ingrained in a different way, I could see that, you know, um, you're going to get those benefits some other way, you know, whether it's, I'm not going to commit this until I have a test on it, like Ward said, or whether, you know, you're like John and you're saying, okay, um, this has got to go into production, so I have to have tests on it before it goes live, um, you know, or whether you're in a position like, like I am, but I was new. I didn't know exactly how to approach solving some of these problems, and it gave me a structure for doing that. And so um, a, a lot of times it's it's hard for me to articulate, okay, so why should somebody who has another established method actually do this? 
you know, when I'm, I'm coming at it saying this is kind of the way I've always done it. I think it's another, that's really important, Chuck. I think it's just different ways to people get structure on how you code. That's really what we're talking about. Is how do you write good code? Yeah. What's your and process? Things differently. And if you don't have a process, you, you do tend to, I think most people tend to look for something that kind of works for them that gets them in that, that right place. And, you know, we've been doing this, um, for a while. So have I, so have all of us, we've all kind of hit our groove somewhere. Something spoke to us. And for me, uh, TDD just didn't work. Uh, for shy, it does. And, and that's okay. But I think something we're all, um, hanging on here too. And Ward mentioned this early is I think we're all saying that testing is a good thing. And we all agree there. It's just, when do you write the test and do you use the test to validate your code or you do you use the test to drive the design of your code? I think that's the difference that we're kind of vacillating on here. Would you agree? Yeah. Yes. I, I think that's fair. So I got, I got a couple of questions for you, John and Ward, because I'll be honest, I'm a little astounded based on my experience that you guys chime in and say, yeah, I go and I test afterwards and that totally works. Because everything that I've ever seen indicates that when you wait to test afterwards, you do one of two things. You either don't get to test effectively because what you wrote wasn't effectively testable or um, you have to do major refactorings of your code in order to make it testable. And the likelihood is that maybe step one, in my opinion, step one is what actually happens and maybe people don't even realize it, that now they're like, they're fighting their code with their tests. Ah, I can't, this, this code is just not easily testable. And I don't want to re I don't want to make a major refactor at this point. I'm too far along. And whether they, whether that's a conscious thought or not, but that's, that's all I see when people try to test afterwards is, Oh crap, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. I think that's very, very fair, Joe. And I think there are two things that you said. I've, I've encountered them both, but let me kind of give you situations and how I dealt with them. Uh, one is, yeah, if you wait too long, and then let's think about what too long is, it is more difficult to fix things if the tests don't go well, right? Mm -hmm. um, for me, too long has always been like this two to three week window at most, at most. And I try to, it, it's all about for me being disciplined enough to break everything up into very small digestible uh, pieces of code so that when I do a push, not a commit, but a push up on a branch into GitHub, that that branch has everything that it needs to do what it needs to do. Now, it may not be an entire screen, but it might be a part of a screen that just makes that thing work. Uh, so with that, knowing that I only have two weeks to get something up there and really about seven days of on my own discipline, mm -hmm. I, I don't have that much to backtrack on. It's only seven days of the work. Uh, if the testing doesn't go well, I can easily fix it in a couple of days and get things out and running. The other side of it is the refactoring. Uh, let's say it really, really just went to hell and you realized after testing that something just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. uh, which Ward and I have both done many times together. Refactoring is actually one of the things I really enjoy. I love it. And a major refactor actually uh, gets me excited. And I like to do that. And to me, having the tests in place for a major refactor is more valuable than having the tests there before I started. Because I already when, learned what I did wrong. So now when I... You, when, you refactor, when you refactor... Um, you have all the tests and you have like a large piece of code that needs refactoring. Uh, but first, first of all, you say, like Joe said, um, if 
it's a testable code, like in a nice way or in an easier way. Uh, maybe it's um, it doesn't require that big of refactoring, okay? Uh, maybe just like cleaning up or something like that, but or changing names, but not like uh, breaking stuff into like m- more modular pieces or stuff like that. So th- my question to you is like, when you do the refactor, you also do the refactor, a bunch of test breaks, and then you um, fix the test or write new ones or stuff like that. This is the process that you that you do? Well, I, I thought he was talking about when he's actually adding tests, he might have to refactor in order to make it more testable, right? So you don't, don't even have the tests yet. Oh, okay. Okay. So I misunderstood it. Okay. Yeah. So when I'm, I'm adding tests at the end saying, hey, you know, I know what this thing needs to do. I've got my requirements. It's got to work like this. And I'll always put it in negative tests. I'm a big fan of negative tests. Uh, to make sure things work right. At that point, if I see things that aren't right, I go back and I refactor. And one of the rules I try to adhere to really, really well, uh, one of my strongest rules is that if you break something, you write a test for it. So if I do see a problem and I miss something, I have to refactor. I do write a test for that as I'm going. So before you write, uh, you change the code, you write a test that proves like you know, that it will work or something like that? Not before I write it, but I write the code and then I write the test. I call TDD for me, it's test during development. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, so, so I'll I'll chime in. Um, and and Joe, the thing, all the things you describe are real risks. And uh, you know, I think I had the painful experience that you say I am sure to run into. I think I, I think I've had that. Uh, and uh, a recent, a fairly recent example is that I I wrote the Angular in Memory Web API and didn't have any tests and it lived for about two years before slightly said, you know, I, I'm really embarrassed here. It's got to have tests. And then I had to go and put the test to it. Um, and the only, and the, th- the, th- the thing was, uh, the good news was that I've had enough experience in life in doing this stuff that I'd actually designed it. Okay. In the first place. And the tests just gave me comfort. They gave me comfort rather than forcing me to redo the design. I'm still happy with the design. I, did I change some things? Yes. Um, but it wasn't a disaster, but it could have been. And your point is very well taken that it really could have been bad. I really could have written some things that were impossible to test. But, uh, and it, didn't, it just didn't turn out that way. So uh, I'm not a fan of waiting two years to add the test. Word. But um, about that, it's a good point you're making because both you and and uh, John are uh, two experienced uh, guys, and um, you uh, through the years you experience, I, I, I guess, some painful experiences that taught you how to design better code, and you know you you ate a lot of crap, so to say, right? So um, so you maybe when you write. Today, when you write code, you, your starting point is maybe much better, you know, than than someone who just starts, you know, writing code for the first time. So it might be uh, maybe an experience thing as well. It could be, I, I, but I'm not going to hide behind that. It was a really bad thing I did. I, I will also say, you know, and John was talking about it. I, I look at John's code when he's writing. He write. He does write small things. He does avoid new. He does write. Now, one of the reasons I enjoy working with him is because he writes the code that I can recognize on site as being code that I would like to write. 
you know, I would have written. Would you uh, say that you adore his code? No, I wouldn't go that far because that would raise questions that went too far. <laughs> he also yells at me a lot when we code. And we yeah, but, but you know, I mean, you know, you know, versus the code that I, I mean, as a consultant, it's my job to go in and look at bad code, and uh, you know, four or five thousand lines of a of a component. Um, that, you know, and not a test in sight. Of course, there couldn't have been because you'd never have a 5,000 line component. Uh, having, I've seen them. <laughs> no, no, I mean, and, and tests. In other words, the person who writes a 5,000 line component never wrote a test in, in his or her life. Yeah. Right? And that's a shame. But um, uh, so, Joe, I mean, everything you're describing there, and Shai, you know, you're not going to hear from me an argument for in favor of just. Um, doing it because we're experienced and our experience liberates us from writing tests. I'm not saying that. I don't hear John saying that. Um, no, I think really the, the big thing you hit on board and you said it better than I did is I think one of the reasons I've mitigated the risk that Joe points out, and it's a real risk, is I keep things really, really small. And in fact, I'm remembering back to last week when you and I coding, this is a common thing is that I think sometimes um, we're working together. Ward and I, or just me with anybody. And I constantly feeling like scope creep is always in place. It's it's just a natural developer tendency to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to add all these other things. And oh, and that was easy. Let me go do it over here. And suddenly you've got a mess, as Joe points out. And if you're not testing, you're in trouble. Uh, I've gotten very, very disciplined on, let's make sure this damn function works first. And if it works, hold your thought, let me commit it, let me move on. Uh, if you don't do things small and keep things really small, small functions, small components, small services, small commits, don't be telling somebody, oh, yeah, I'll commit that code later this week. No. Uh, multiple commits a day. I think these are practices that also go into it as well. Whether or not you're doing test-driven development, I think thinking small pieces really, really helps. I also think that uh, you guys are not good um examples for a lot of people who might be considering is TDD something they should be should be using or not for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you, you each have over 20 years of development experience underneath your belt. And two, just the fact that you say, yes, those are risks, but they don't come to me as problems very often are also good indications that you've certainly done this process enough times that you're all, it's almost like taking a really big step and skipping a step from a certain standpoint. It's almost like you had been in some small way TDing your code, but you've got your brain accustomed to how you write code and, and ways to write code that keep it testable. Uh, that it's, you might even look at your processes and say, if you had written your code using TDD, the code that you ended up generating wouldn't be very far away from what you've actually written. And Probably. So, and I think that's by writing those small functions, though, that's that's how you get there, I think. The smaller yeah. you keep things, you can always go back and refactor well, I wouldn't say it's... I, I personally don't think it's just smaller, but I, I do think that that's a, definitely a key aspect. But I'm, I'm trying to come up with a nice uh, analogy in another uh, discipline to say, once you get somebody who's done a certain thing long enough and become more of an expert, you might see them skip steps that you're taught not to skip, right? When, you're for, when, you're, when you learn to do something. And when I say taught, I'm not talking about the first couple of months. I'm talking about the first five years. We're, we're talking to people here that have, uh, what is it, 2,000 hours per year 
And so you guys have 40,000 plus hours of development experience underneath your belt. And, you know, mastery is considered to be usually around 10,000 hours. Um, so you guys are far beyond even the mastery level for development. But well, I, can't, I can't disagree. I can't really disagree with you on this, Joe. I am. I mean, I, I don't have the foundation for it. I think you're right. You know, we've been playing this game a long time and we've burned ourselves enough times, made enough mistakes. So it's kind of wired in that we we're unlikely to make the kinds of um, errors that um, somebody who's newer at the game would. And so we can probably squeak by. Uh, I, I, so maybe you're right. Maybe we're terrible role models. And, um, I, I think that's a very valid point, but I do think that we are bad role models in general. His words are awful person, <laughs> but, uh, I do think there's, there's something we're not looking at and there's, there's other ways. I mean, there's beyond TDD. There are other ways to get to the goal. Like why, why are we doing TDD? Shy, Shy brought up a couple points, like, you know, better design, more solid code, confidence in your code when you're in production. All good reasons. Whatever your process is, I think it's good. But there's other techniques. Uh, for example, I I use something else for some folks uh, called the uh, we, we made up a funny name for it called the Seven Ds of Development. Because where I was working, nobody wanted to do TDD. And the last thing I was going to try to do is try to convince two thousand developers to do it who didn't want to do it. So we came up with a way of like, okay, what do you want to do, and how do you work today, and how can we make these goals work? So there's actually other methodologies that people can come out of play to, I think, get to the same ends. Right. So um, I, I want to relate a, a couple of stories that I have experienced that have led me to my personal opinion, which is that John and Ward are both up in the night and completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I think are very useful uh, as uh viewpoints to consider when looking at this thing of TDD or not TDD. Um, the first one was when I first learned actually Angular, I was doing a project for Pluralsight.com. I was, I was contracting with them. We were building their HTML5 video player. And I had a fair amount of web experience at the time, but I've never done HTML5 video at all. And the guy I was working with, uh, awesome dude named Jim Cooper, who turned out to end up, who ultimately ended up co-authoring several courses with me. He was a full-time employee. Uh, a plural site and still is. And he had very little, uh, you know, heavy JavaScript experience at the time. So let me explain another, say another thing. Plural site, at least at the time, and I believe they are still today, was a 100% pairing, 100% TDD shop. That was their dictum, is that you, everybody paired and everybody TDD'd 100% of your, what you do. So meanwhile, we have this project where I've never done HTML5 video before. Uh, but I, I'm pretty comfortable with JavaScript. He wasn't even comfortable with JavaScript. So for me, this was like, this was not the time to TDD. TDD. We ended up writing the project three times. We wrote it once in plain. We, we wrote it once as the spike where all we were doing was just trying to figure out how to do HTML5 video. Then we did it again using just JavaScript. And then we did it again using Angular. Uh, 1.1 at the time, I believe, was what was out. It might have been 1.0, uh, a version of 1.0. And the first time, the spike, when we were just trying to figure out how the heck HTML5 video worked, we didn't TDD anything. The second time when we actually did it in just in plain JavaScript, we TDD'd it for the most part, I believe. I'm trying to, I don't remember exactly all the details. And the third time, and then both times we scrapped 100% of our code. We threw it all away and started over. And then the third time we TDD'd a whole, the whole way through. 
And it was a very successful project, but we didn't know what we were dealing with. So before we even bothered worrying about tests, we were working with the code to figure out how do you do this? How do you do that? So, uh, you know, I also learned from Kent Beck's book. I taught myself how to TDD from Kent Beck's book um, that Ward mentioned. And that idea that, hey, I don't even want to know what uh, bowling looks like. I can, so I'm going to TDD it. For me, that was that's actually okay because what you don't know what it looks like is uh, not the tech, it's the algorithm that you're going to write. Yeah, I don't know what the algorithm looks like. That's fine. But when I don't know what the tech looks like, that's entirely different. So for me, I always play around first and get it a lot more comfortable before I start adding in my tests. So that was an experience for me that really proved, and what we ended up with was a very great project. So let me add in, let me, I want to give one more story here before Ward jumps all over me. Uh, one of my m both most favorite projects and one of my most successful projects was a project where I did not write a single test. Okay. But I wrote it in about three months all by myself. I was like two and a half to three months and I wrote it hundred percent by myself. And at that time I was experienced enough with what I was doing and I just sat down and I wrote out the code. It was a small project. It was less than 10,000 lines of code. I could hold the entire thing in my head. And anytime I needed to make any changes, I could open up the code. I knew exactly where to go, what change to make. I also didn't maintain it over the course of several years. We wrote it. It ran. It lived for about six, eight months, and then it died. But it was an extremely successful project. And I don't regret not having written any tests at the time. But I also didn't have any co-developers. I didn't have... Any point where I was like, uh, crap, how does this code work? So I also didn't need a lot of what tests provide. So I feel like there's definitely times when you don't need a TDD and you don't need a test as a person who heavily preaches TDD. But I also feel like when you're either learning the craft, well, I won't say learning craft because we're all learning the craft. I'm learning, you know, no, nobody here on this call is still not learning the craft. But it's easy to write really bad code. And TDD is, in my opinion, about the second best way to stay away from really bad code. I think the best way is actually to pair. But I think the TDD is about the second best way to stay away from bad code. And it's really easy to write bad code. To, to be honest, I, I, I don't know that TDD will prevent you from writing bad code. But uh, I, I do think pairing with people who write who have had a record of success is a great way. Uh, reading code written by people who have uh, success is great. I don't see how, to be honest, TDD, um, uh, I mean, it saves you from some problems, but uh, there's so many ways to get it wrong, uh, beginning with not understanding the um, domain or the, or the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, but that's uh, not related to TDD. Well, but I mean, those are to me, those are the things that go wrong most in an <laughs> application. I mean, when I see what makes for bad code, uh, you know, that's a lot to me that doing the wrong thing um, Hold is on a the second. biggest thing I see. Hold on, put the brakes on that statement. If I don't understand the domain and I solve the wrong problem, I might write beautiful code and solve the wrong problem. That's what's happening. So the that's code quality. Happening. Code quality isn't related at all to solving the wrong problem. Oh, I don't agree. Uh, to me, that's the biggest code. One of the biggest code quality problems is that you aren't 
that, that you're going off on some fantasy land that has bears no relationship, a uh, significant relationship to what the customer wanted. It's that old tree thing. Um, and uh, you I have an entirely you know, different it, definition of bad code than I do. I mean, a successful, you know, looking for your, you know, looking for your keys under the street light instead of, uh, you know, uh, because that's where you know to look. But uh, all right, I just, I just have. It's hard to explain how so many people have done so well without TDD. Um, no, it's so, not. You know, that's easy to explain. How do we? How did? How did this whole universe of programmers, good and bad? I mean, you know, if you if you line them all up, are you sure that the people who did DDD are going to be on even on average better than the ones who didn't? I can't. I don't know how to say that. Well, wait a second. So first off, let me. Uh, let me counter a couple of things. One, it's easy to explain how you can be successful without any given thing. And that is because success rarely requires one thing. And certainly, I don't think anybody here is stating that, uh, I certainly not, and I haven't heard Shai say it, that TDD is a method that separates either, you know, good code from bad code or that you cannot write good code without it. So here's how I tell people, this is what I tell people. That if you are, considering TDD, you will, if you learn it and spend some time getting to it, you will write better code yourself than you would have if you didn't use TDD. That's my promise, or at least a theory. Along, alongside the theory that you have already accepted and John has, which is that code that is testable is better than code that is not testable. Otherwise, there's no point in you writing tests. No, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'll tell you what else I would do. Because um, I don't really, it's not that I'm anti-TDD. So here's what I, you know, if I'm, if I'm working in the Shy's shop or in Joe's shop and you say, we do TDD here, I, you know, I would not be the guy that said, I'm out of here. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd say, sure, that's the, that's your process. Let me see if I can be, um, useful to you and I'll follow your discipline. Um, so I, I'm not against it. I just haven't personally felt it. That's, that's the best which, I can say. Which is totally fine. But my, I, I would definitely put forward that if you have been programming it for less than 20 years, and uh, if, you're, if, if you oftentimes feel like you wish that your code quality was higher, the TDD is definitely a recipe for improving the quality of code that you write. You won't write, I won't say that you're going to write better code than the programmer next to you who doesn't write TDD. I'm going to say that you're going to write better code than you wrote before. And I feel like I'm, I'm in this situation. I don't feel like I'm a great code crafter, to be honest. I don't feel like I, I, I think that one of the biggest things that separates great code from bad code is just naming, right? And I think I'm terrible at naming, but I think I write better code when I TDD than I do when I don't TDD. And I've actually, and I've, I'm in the same boat. I've had 20 years of experience, but I also uh, skip a lot of steps sometimes when I do stuff. And I've done a lot of projects that I haven't TDD, but I think I write better code when I TDD than I don't. I also think it matters a lot more when I'm on a team. And I, you know, development practices radically need to change when you're talking about, I'm on a team of 25 people and we're writing a million lines of code versus I'm on a team of one and I'm going to write 5,000 lines of code. And I'll be honest, I do a lot more of the latter than I do the former nowadays. But I've done the former quite a bit. And I've been in that situation where TDD and pairing makes a huge difference. And, and you said pairing with uh, people that have a you know, good track record. But I would still say that even pairing with somebody who is you know, not just as new to the craft as, as you might be, if you've 
if you've only been working for in the, in the industry for a few months, that pairing with somebody who's been working in the industry for a few months is still a very good thing because two minds are going to produce better stuff than one mind is going to produce. I just, I just want to echo that. The other thing, though, is that um, with a lot of these practices, I've also found that if you go and you try it for a couple hours, it's different than if you go and try it for an entire sprint, or, you know, two weeks, three weeks. Um, yeah. And so, you know, once you kind of get into the flow and you can then compare the code you wrote over the last sprint to the code you wrote over the sprint before it, then you can really start to see the difference. And it's the same thing that's with true. pairing. So and I think that's that's the same with any process, yeah. right, Chuck? Yep. If you give it two hours, that's not going to give you the feel as doing over at least a sprint, right? Yeah. I mean, so, I, I've seen and some I things like, pay, pay off for people in two hours. You know, they pick up Visual Studio Code, right. they install a couple of plugins, and wow, this is way better than what I had before. But when it comes down to like real deep processes and the way you think about things, yeah, it, it takes a while. I also like to teach when I when I talk about testing and TDD. I also like to teach what is going to be valuable for the real world. I'm not talking about a made up world where we have unlimited amounts of time to write the code that we want to write, but the real right. world. And the real world is a significant number of developers, if not a majority of them, live in an environment where there is pressure to produce code quickly. Right? Very few. People, places that I've certainly been at, and I've had 20 different jobs in my career, very few places that I've been at did not give that pressure. So if you are doing TDD, you will have tests. And if you are not doing TDD, the likelihood is you will have little to no tests in your project. My point exactly. So there, well, well, nothing well, 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 that's why I, you <laughs> noticed that my other rule my other rule was, but you have to have a discipline. If you got no discipline, the wheels are going to come off. The pressure will make the wheels come off. But if you, you know, a rule that says you can't have a commit that gets merged without tests, that that's a suitable, that's a sufficient check. I, I think yeah, your point there, Ward. I think your point there, Ward, is that yeah, you have to have the discipline, and you can't fudge on the discipline. Because if if you have if you're quote, doing TDD and you skip sometimes is the same as writing the code and then skipping writing tests at the end to, to the extent that you don't have tests. I think that's the context of having experience or not. And yeah. Having experienced enough uh, pain that you develop the discipline because you know what's on the other side yeah. of not writing the test, uh, which I believe both Ward and John have, um, that is a different context from what Joe is saying. And sorry, because I probably lost half of the conversation because I, I was keep disconnecting from uh, inter the internet. Um, but what I managed to hear is Joe saying that for newcomers or people who are in their first year years of coding, um, it's, it's, it's a discipline that, or a technique that help you develop the discipline better. I think it's not perfect. I think there are manuals uh, still to write on it uh, and how to do it in a more uh, in, a, in an easier way. But I think it's much better than writing code and hoping that someone sometime will uh, add that time to the sprint for us to write the tests, which we all know that uh, once we have more time, it's just like more time for more features from the product, you know, and not more tests because you cannot uh, show 
write the benefits uh, right away. Well, so either way, you have to write code and write tests. If you're talking about doing it afterwards, like Ward is saying, or doing it before, like you're saying. So mm -hmm. the time is the same for both of those. It's just mm -hmm. where do you... Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah, I, not necessarily. Yeah, no, I agree. I, don't, I, I don't challenge you any day of the week on that. That would, if you tell but, me it takes longer to write tests at the end, I've never experienced that in my entire life. Yeah, but but you are uh, thinking about it from your perspective of I don't know how many years of developing. We're I, talking but I didn't about start with twenty years of development. I started I with zero. I know, but we all but, did. But, your perspective uh, today is what you're what you're at today. Are you thinking my back? Perspective back when I started testing, it took me. I tried TD many years ago. And I was not a great programmer. I still don't think I am. And it, writing it before and after, the biggest problem isn't when you write the test, in my opinion. It's two things. Do you write tests at all? A. And the second part is something we haven't even touched on is, what is a good test? If you right. write a really crappy test, which I see a lot of them, I see a lot of tests of, hey, I've got a, I've got a model for customer. Does it have a first name? Does it have a last name? Does it, I mean, yeah. these are the kind of tests I see. You can spend your whole week doing this kind of stuff, and it will not buy you one ounce of value. Of course. But, well, hold on, hold on, John. So let me counter you with a couple of things here. One, it is going to take longer to do TDD if you're one very, very, very new to TDD and haven't like learned TDD. The writing tests after could easily be faster just because you might churn yourself more, spin your wheels more. But also, there's a really strong argument against what you're saying that it does take longer to write tests afterwards, and that is... When you go to write your tests, if your code is not easily testable and you have to refactor it, that is unnecessary time. That exactly. Is time exactly. If, exactly. If, if, if those if, things are true. If. And, yeah. and, and at John's experience level and at my experience level, that it just doesn't happen. Okay, but we're not talking about uh, you guys. I, no, I, well, I don't know. Joe was making a blanket or a case there. All right. And, um, you know, newbies tend to use new and they tend to write long uh complicated functions and long complicated components because they just they you know they're afraid to open up a new file or something i i mean, I, I don't really know but i can tell you that with some decent amount of experience is you do not write bad code um uh, uh you know routinely um that that just that doesn't happen and so uh, and the other thing that we have to acknowledge is even when you're really good at tests best take time in my experience, it takes somewhere between, you know, 80% of the time of the code itself, uh, you know, the first draft, the first draft of the code. And evolve it after that, maybe not, but it's it's not zero. It's not even 50% of the time that it would take you to write the thing that you're testing. It's at least 50%, often right. 100%. And if it's in small increments, but if it's not, you're you're paying the price. Uh, I think again, this is from my experience. Maybe you know it's a different of uh, of experiences in in, in writing a test. But uh, from my experience, um, the if I if I found myself trying to write a test afterwards, uh, especially if uh, a few weeks went by, then. It took me. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not talking a few weeks. I'm talking like right there. No, I'm talking but, like yesterday. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. yesterday when I refactored something for John, right? And I wrote the code, and then I immediately wrote the test before I committed anything. So I think I think a good context. It took me, to... it, it took me fifty percent of the time, or maybe hundred okay. percent of the time, and I mm -hmm. and that is no, a I price that. to pay. I'm paying on that. Yeah, I. I agree with that, but I don't think that's the majority 
of the customers for uh, I, didn't, I don't know for this uh, methodology because I think the majority will experience uh, more pain uh, riding the test afterwards. Yeah, All right, I'm, exactly. absolutely. I'm going to push us to picks because we've already been talking for no, an hour and a half. We're still arguing. <laughs> this is the fun part. I know, like, right? I, I want to bring something. I, I really want to reiterate, though, that uh, my comfort level with my... I, I'm not an anti-TD guy. And like I I would say, you know, I'd be... Uh, I, someday, I hope to, to pair with you guys and and have uh, uh, the chance to really try and live the TDD life. I'll see really live, see what that's like instead of trying to do it myself. And, and I had one question for you guys before we go to picks, which is when you teach testing, do you teach TDD as, uh, at the same time? Um, not at the same time, but uh, pretty close to after I teach uh, about unit testing how, and how to write test after, I reverse it and, and show the same code that we wrote a test after for, I show it in TDD. So it's easier to grasp because it's already code you're written and you know what it's supposed to do. So it makes it easier to get into. And about the second point about pairing, let's do it in ng-conf and TDD are way to victory. <laughs> I personally don't teach uh, TDD. I mostly teach just testing because that's lately what I've been doing. I've been teaching a lot of unit testing in Angular. So and, uh, I'll, I'll say that, that, I, you, that you guys are proposing uh, TDD and yet not teaching testing through TDD, and that leaves me with a suspicion. Hey, why do you say you guys? <laughs> hey, why well, do you say you guys? I, I will, you will say, also confess honestly, that you taught testing not through TDD, but you taught. Of you course, taught I'm, no, but, back. but but I'm te I'm I'm teaching I'm teaching. You need to teach the base before you can switch the order. You need to teach yeah. about no, not necessarily, not necessarily. I've I've done it both ways. I've taught people both ways. Um, well, I would much prefer to teach TDD where I just, I, I have like a one day workshop. I do a lot on unit testing Angular and there just actually isn't time. Yeah. There's just yeah. testing it's, Angular, but that's what people are paying. That's, that's but, kind of ironic, isn't it? But the, the other thing <laughs> is, is that... <laughs> that's what I'm saying, John. By the way, Chuck, by the so, way, Chuck about, about that, so, about so, that we, so, need to, we need to do another episode about uh, class test testing versus DOM testing, which is another mm -hmm. big issue. Yeah, and fair uh, enough. Types of test. But, but I will say, just, just to chime in here really quickly, um, a, a lot of my experience as to whether or not I teach people TDD, and it's funny because you asked, do you teach people to test with TDD? And my answer is sort of no. When I've taught people TDD, I'm teaching them to code. So I go in and I right. teach them to write the code and I'm like, all right, the first thing we do is rewrite a test. And now that we have the test and we know what we're trying to build, here's what we do next. And in some yeah. ways, that is highly clarifying for the students. And in other ways, depending on how complicated the test is going to get in order to do this stuff, a lot of that stuff's not something that you really want to dive into. So if you're getting into test doubles or... Uh, you know, mocks and stubs or integration tests where there's some tricky bits, niggly bits on the other end or third-party APIs, you know, a lot of that stuff, um, you know, we'll move into that. But that's because the concept is beyond what I'm teaching, not necessarily because it doesn't work to teach TDD. And in a lot of cases, like I said, it really does clarify things. But sometimes you are in a position where, you know, you, you just don't have the time or scope to do it. Um, I, I really... I've taught some testing workshops, and to be perfectly honest, um, 
I, I don't know that TDD makes a lot of sense for teaching testing workshops because once again, you're not teaching them to write the code that way. You're teaching them the concepts behind how to verify the code. And so what you're uh, more interested okay. in is you're more interested in, here's how you verify this. Here's how you verify that the DOM request was made. You know, here's how you verify that uh, the database gave back the right information or the API gave back the right information. So you usually already have some code and it's like, here's how we test a thing like this rather than here, here's how we do TDD as we write new features. And so I, I, I find with my experience that it just, it doesn't quite line up if you're talking about a testing class versus a coding class. I, I don't know. I, I, so just to finish my response to Ward uh, from before um, about teaching TDD or not teaching TDD, I think in order to teach TDD, my target audience is, are people who are not TDD in their code, but they're, they're, they, are, they are writing code. So they're used to one way. And mm -hmm. my aim is to take, him, take them from what they're used to and to slowly introduce them to the new way by taking them into a route they, they are familiar with and not jumping straight into unfamiliar territory. I'm not talking about uh, complete beginners who can, you can mold their brain into a certain path. I'm talking about uh, people who have already experienced but don't have any experience with um, TDD. So you first teach them to write the code, first teach them how to think about testing the code they wrote, and immediately afterwards, and my experience, Chuck, in teaching that is that you can, once you, you don't need to develop a big feature in order to switch the order, because once you teach the basics, and again, it requires like a manual or something like that, uh, it's easily become, an, and if you don't teach like testing calculators, which, you know, 99% of the people won't, will never right okay and you teach like how to write real applications in tdd style uh then i think it's very very efficient to to teach tdd uh in a workshop if you're focusing on real code and not calculators or not getting pre uh, ready um ready code already and then like just showing how to write tests for it which i think it's kind of useless in my perspective cool well let's get to picks uh, I, can we beat the horse? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, I think I think we're ready for picks. I think I think our friends in the audience, if they're still with us, will hear that um, there are ambivalent feelings among this group, and that's um, and that's okay. Yeah, well, and honestly, just just go try it, try it both ways, and see what works. Come to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, John, what are your picks? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. 
and it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. So I've got uh, two picks here. Uh, well, three. Let's let's say three. One, first of all, we actually all love each other on this show, right? <laughs> so not anymore. Not think that after we just argued, but we do, and we're all very good friends. So this is a healthy, good discussion. So one of our picks is don't be afraid to have healthy, good discussions with your colleagues because you know it's good things can come out of it. Listen to other perspectives. Uh, my other picks are I have a new show that came out earlier this year called Five Things. I'll put the link in the show notes. And this week I did an interview with uh, Anders Hausberg who is the creator of TypeScript and C-sharp and lots of other fun projects he's worked on. Uh, and it's basically five minutes of a kind of a fun show and also give you some nice, deep technical stuff. Um, my third pick is a talk that I'll be posting slides to and I'm doing next week. It's actually related to this topic of TDD. It's called the seven D's of development. And it's a process that I worked out with uh, large programming shops of you know, almost 2000 devs that allowed us to write good quality code and uh, implement a lot of these practices that we're talking about in a different way that you probably haven't heard about. So uh, look for the slides up on the internet, and hopefully I'll be doing this talk at more conferences over the next year. Awesome. Uh, we need to get Anders on this show, by the way. Uh, Ward, what are your picks? Uh, I'm pretty wrung out. I'm dry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sitting here trying to figure out like, if I'm a terrible programmer. How about um, that awesome open source project that you just released? Oh, yeah, yeah. John <laughs> and I have been um, hard at uh, trying to make NGRX something that you could um, that you could feel comfortable using, learning and using uh, effectively in your application. Call it NGRX data. And it's we bill it as the zero boilerplate NGRX. As in you, you know, you, it's, you just do the imports and then you start writing code and it just works. Uh, it's still NGRX. Uh, so, uh, and that's really important to us because we believe strongly that we should not be hiding a framework or jumping to some kind of alternative or anything like that. We think that it's important that you uh, have NGRX at your fingertips when you need it, but you shouldn't have to suffer through the tedium of doing some of the things, the sort of the, routine boilerplate things that you might otherwise have to do. Uh, we want to have a show on that here on AIA, and I'm sure we will have one. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to go see what we're up to, uh, where should they go, uh, John? To the GitHub URL. Which, would which be one? No. But should they go to the lab or should they go to the, the source that we point them over? Angular? I, think the quick, I think the quick start's a great place to point them to. Okay. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. So, yeah. All right. Shai, what are your picks? Oh, just in time. I just got reconnected. Uh, so I'm sorry. I missed all of you guys' picks. So if anyone picked uh, Minko's blog post about machine learning, data-driven building Webpack JavaScript uh, bundles with Angular and React, it's amazing. Okay? It's really good. It's really good. So that's my first pick. Uh, and the other pick uh, is a shameless plug, uh, although for a course that is not out yet, uh, but I'm 
because I'm practicing it with uh, real people and uh, not virtual people. <laughs> now I'm getting like in live workshops uh, before I uh, get it out. Um, and it's called Angular TDD. Uh, and it talks about all the stuff we talked about today and with the manual and all the stuff that I learned over the years uh, condensed into this 15-minute uh, um, uh, course. Uh, which is just an introduction, right, to the concepts and all that stuff. Uh, it's the first course out of the series. So it's Angular TDD. And also, if you want, uh, I already have out, out there, like I mentioned, the free course uh, about TDD theory. If you're interested in learning uh, about the theory behind it and why you should test, most of, the, most of it is about unit testing and not TDD. And only the less parts are on TDD uh, specifically. So those are my picks. All right, Joe, what are your picks? All right, so I got a couple of blog posts I want to pick that I read recently. The first one is the mistakes I made as a beginning programmer. Uh, it's a really interesting uh, blog post done by uh, same. I I am gonna I know the I know his name or I know him, but I don't know how to pronounce his name. Samer Buna. I'm sure mm -hmm. I slaughtered that. <laughs> but uh, somebody I've read before. Really great blog post about the mistakes I made as a beginning programmer. Totally love them. Uh, love this. And then another blog post I recently reread, which is a little bit topical, is an overview of JavaScript testing in 2018. And it's a nice blog post. It just talks about the various tools that are around today and somewhat popular in testing, both unit testing and end-to-end -end testing, gives a nice sort of 30,000-foot overview of the various tools that are in use today. So another really good blog post. And then my final pick is going to be uh, a concept called Try it out and decide for yourself. <laughs> so this is, uh, I think that this is one of the things that I think is a great thing for everybody to try, which is when you hear us talking about all kinds of crazy stuff like do or don't TDD, is instead make your own decision the way that Ward and John and I and Shy have, which is go give it a try. TDD yep. is one of those things I feel like you should try for about six months. I think if you if you tried it for six months, you would give give yourself the great opportunity to decide: is it something that works for you, or is it not? Go find a shop that does TDD, or will let you do TDD. Preferably, find a mentor. You know, go to some place that actually has people that are doing it, so you can learn from people that are more experienced. But give it a try. Spend some a reasonable amount of time trying TDD. You won't regret it uh, for certain, but you might decide. You can easily decide: is this something I want to practice more of in my life, or practice less of in my life? Just like pairing. Right. If you've never had an opportunity to spend, go to a place where you do a lot of pairing, you should definitely try it out. It's, uh, don't 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 say, well, like occasionally I had the guy or the, the programmer sitting next to me come over and sit with me while I like a program. Program that's problem. That's not the same thing. Actually, sitting down and pairing, you know, those are the types of things you should really try out, uh, along with lots of other stuff. And that's decide a great for yourself idea. For you. so, great idea, Joe. Those are my picks. And also, I, I like to pick uh, Joe's workshop about uh, unit testing and Angular in NGConf, right? Did you yeah. feel? Is no, it full? We still got a, we still got like twenty slots open. So even by the time this is published, there'll still be the opportunity to pick up a ticket. You don't even have to be going to NGConf to come to the workshop. But and you just reminded me that I have to change my flight. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My workshop's happening on a Tuesday. There are no other workshops happening on Tuesday that are worth going to at all. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, on. 
It's on, oh. I guarantee. If people come to my workshop, we are going to raz and get in the room with Joe. That's and it. Make fun of his workshop. <laughs> I'm, I'm, com- I'm coming early just so I can throw bombs at, at uh, you know, and Joe's. I, that's it. I know. I, I, I was wondering where I was going to throw bombs, and now I know I'm coming. Joe, look out! I'm going to get, I'm going to get all my attendees to, to make form the letters John's a chump, and we're going to take a big photo. Oh, oh. This is gonna uh, be fun. east side, west side of Salt Lake City. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm totally. Joe won't be able. They won't be able to spell chump. That's who Joe brings. To. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were going to come, Ward. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for. Jonathan. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> It'll Jonathan say champ. It'll say John's a champ. <laughs> John's a champ. <laughs> John and Dad are teaching an, another workshop, but mo- both Monday and Tuesday, the essentials of Angular. So it's kind of like that mid-level to advanced type of workshop, two-day workshop. So if testing is not your shtick, then uh, their stuff certainly is uh, great. They've, I've taught a lot of workshops with John and Dan, and they always do a fantastic job. So... Yeah, Ward Bell's costume this year is going to be uh, a marching band costume, and he's going to sneak into the back of Joe's workshop with a tuba. <laughs> you bet. We've also got workshops on CSS and Webpack, and let's see, there's a workshop on going to production that day. There's a workshop on RxJS the day before on Monday. I'm teaching a workshop on migration the day before on Monday, and there's one on NGRX on Monday, in addition to John and Dan's. Uh, and Alyssa and I are doing a fashion show, so there you go. Yep, yep, right. awesome. A lot of awesome workshops over at running at ng-conf this year. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in with some picks. Um, the, I guess my main pick, and it's kind of a, a short, uh, somewhat funny experience I had last night. Um, so here in Utah, we had our caucus meetings last night for pretty much all of the the parties, at least the, the, the big ones here in Utah, um, which are kind of the big ones across the U- U.S. And uh, so I went to my caucus meeting, and um, the, the way that it works in Utah is – at the caucus meeting, you elect delegates, and the delegates go to the convention, and they nominate the um, the people who run for office. And so I went to the caucus meeting, and I've been pretty busy, so I was thinking, oh, I'll just show up, I'll vote for some people, and I'll go home. And so I'm sitting there, and one of my neighbors, um, I think he was trying to give me a bad time. He nominated me to be the precinct chair for <laughs> for my local precinct, and they asked me if I was willing, and I was like, oh, I guess. And uh, so there was one other person nominated and somehow I wound up getting elected. Um, so now I'm, I'm the precinct chair and the precinct chair is the state and county delegate here in Utah. So um, I'm going to both conventions. One of the conventions is the Saturday right after NGConf. Um, but anyway, um, I do encourage people to go get involved in the political process. I know that this is kind of a, I forget what they call it, midterm election because the president isn't running this year in the U.S. Um, but wherever you live, whatever country you live in, um, however that works, um, it's just that that season right now here in the U.S., um, go get involved. Um, you know, I, and honestly, I don't care if I agree with you politically or not, but uh, go get involved, go out, uh, find out what the issues are, find out who the candidates are, find out how the process works, and um, make that happen. Because if we're not involved, I, I hear people complain about people in Washington, D.C. all the time here in the U.S. And the only way to change that is to elect new people. And the only way you can do that is if you get involved with the process. So go get involved with the process. I guess that's my pick. Nice, Chuck. Uh, you're a big shot now. Can I bribe, bribe you? <laughs> I'm a big shot. Yeah, I represent what? Uh, a square mile, maybe? <laughs> that's, that's more than me. Anyway, so uh, 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Shai, you said you have a course on this. You want to just reiterate where to get that and then we'll end the episode. Yeah, HiRes.io. Uh, it's not up yet, but it will be and it will cover all of what we talked about. And I think we should do another episode about class testing versus DOM testing. And we'll book that one also. Sounds Thank good. you very much for all of you. And it was uh, delightful for the time that I was connected to the internet and I, I could hear you. So thanks. <laughs> all right, folks, we'll wrap this one up and we'll yell at Ward next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.